Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I ask that your, that your word will be our, our rule, that your spirit our teacher, and that your greater glory be our utmost concern. Through Christ Jesus we pray, amen. So I found myself this past week in the living room surrounded by a mound of Christmas wrapping paper. Maybe you found yourself in the same situation. Boxes, wrapping paper, uh, bows, ribbons, and it struck me. We are fascinated with getting new things, aren't we? We love to get new things. Whether it's something small that can fit underneath a tree or Maybe something a little bit bigger. I mean, who among us wouldn't love to just go into our closets and just empty our closets out and replace it with a new outfit for every conceivable occasion? Anyone with me there on that? Some of you are sitting there like, I don't even care what I wear anymore. Well, maybe clothes aren't your thing, but you'd love to get a new hairdo. How about that? Some highlights? Maybe part your hair on the other side of your head, right? That, that might open up a whole new world right there, a brand new hairdo. Uh, maybe some of you would like a new nose. When I was 16, this is confession time, I spent a lot of time looking in the mirror. And an inordinate amount of time staring at my face in the mirror, and you know what conclusion I came to? I have got the biggest nose in junior high. And if I had an opportunity to change it at that moment, I, I would have taken it. I would have jumped at it. I'm glad that I didn't because I'm okay with my nose now. It's okay. I worked through all that. But some people, who knows? You know, a new nose, a new hairdo, new clothing. I've noticed a lot of people these days, I'm not Snoopy, but I have noticed swiping pictures of houses on real estate apps. Some of you are looking for a new house. Am I right? Even in this economy, right, there's always the hope. Maybe I can get a new house. That would be nice. And I don't know, maybe, maybe there's some guys that can testify here today that would love some new pipes in their house. New pipes. Anyone? I'm alone here. Come on. It's nothing like new pipes in your house. Well, I could just go on and on, right? I mean, the list goes on and on of the things that we could just really enjoy about getting something new, the, 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 the novelty of something new. And sometimes, you know, getting a new thing, that's not all that bad. It's okay. It's okay to get something new, but here's the problem. Just as soon as you drive that brand new car that you've been dreaming about off the lot, it already has depreciated by thousands of dollars. You got yourself a used car now. Yeah, and, and clothes and hairdos, well, those go, those go out of style, and if you own a house, my goodness, is it a lot of work. It's a lot of upkeep. It can even be a major, major money sink. So, there are some problems there. And while it may feel great to get new stuff, let's be honest, these are really just external things. 
and they're nice. It's okay that they're external things. What many of us, I think, really want, no, what many of us need can only come from a change that starts on the inside. I dare say there are some who've come here today or perhaps are are tuning in online who sense that they are in a state of spiritual bankruptcy. Maybe some have come here today and you don't even know why you're here. I don't even get this. What is this even about anymore? Perhaps there are some who are in desperate need of healing in their relationships. Maybe some here are, are just longing for a more intimate, deeper connection with their God. Maybe there are those who just want a blessing that only a new beginning can bring. Well, wherever you find yourself, whatever your motivation may be for a new beginning, I want you to know that you are not here by accident. You are here for a reason. Because I want to share with you moments in the life of Jacob that serve as a blueprint for how we can have a new beginning in 2024. Amen? Three moments in the life of Jacob. The first moment is this, and I'm just lifting it right out of the text. We shall soon read here in the book of Beginnings, the book of Genesis, that Jacob was left alone. The first moment, Jacob was left alone. What can we learn from that? Second moment, Jacob wrestled with God. You remember the story? Jacob wrestled with God. In the final moment, this one, this one, this one is very, very pertinent. Jacob saw the face of God in his enemy. Just pulling it right out of the text. Let's get to it. Genesis chapter 32, and I'm going to begin reading here in verse 22. Pull it up on your phone. Maybe you have a good old-fashioned hard copy. Genesis 32, and I'm going to begin reading here in verse 22. Now Jacob arose that same night and took his two wives and his two maids and his 11 children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream, and he sent across whatever he had. You, you picture this now, everything, every one across the other side of the Jabbok. And here we have in verse 24, then Jacob was left alone. That's a marvelous phrase. Jacob was left alone. Oh, there's so much, there's so much meaning there, so much insight, because it's not just physically true. I think that it's also spiritually true. This phrase captures the essence of what was going on on the inside with Jacob, and I'm much more concerned about what's happening internally with Jacob. And let me just pause right here. Jacob was left alone. Things happen when you get alone. Some of us are deathly afraid of being alone, of not having anyone to talk to, of being alone out in the wilderness. You go on YouTube and you see one video after the next, alone in the wilderness, right? It captures our imagination. A little bit of a fear factor there, too. Jacob was left alone. And things happen when you get 
alone. You see, you start thinking about your life. You start reflecting about the past. And Jacob's past was riddled with mistakes, with missteps, and he was weighted down with regret. You see, Jacob was raised to run. Maybe some of you will identify with his uh, upbringing, with his story. You see, he grew up in a dysfunctional home. He was the subject of favoritism. His mother aligned with him very clearly, and his, and his dad aligned with his brother. His parents clearly paid, played favorites. There was some serious communication issues going on there. And then Jacob was mentored by his mother how to manipulate in order to get ahead in life. Right? She was right there scheming with him to steal that blessing. Remember the story? And so what Isaac and Rebekah sowed, they also reaped. And Jacob ended up repeating history. As a result, Jacob was always on the run. Why do I say he was on the run? Because you see, when you cheat and when you lie and you steal and you manipulate other people, you're always going to be running from someone. Amen? Oh, boy, a little sensitive there. A little sensitive. <laughs> Jacob is running, and he's running from his problems. How many of us have a tendency, when the going gets tough, <laughs> we're out of there? run from our problems. Jacob did not want to face his problems. He didn't want to take responsibility for his problems. And let me just tell you right now, you'll never make one millimeter uh, measure of growth and advancement in the spiritual life until you start taking responsibility for yourself, for your actions, and you own it. Jacob was very reluctant to doing that. But Jacob wasn't just running away from things. I sensed that Jacob was also running towards something. He's grasping, longing to be forgiven. He was longing to be loved and to be accepted. He wanted a new beginning. And so Jacob decides to return home. That's where we are in the story. After all, Jacob couldn't put that birthright inheritance that he stole to good use unless he was in his home country, right? So upon his return, we learn that he's married, he has a really large family, and, well, he appears to be very successful. You know how we know that? Because he's got lots of stuff. That's how we know we're successful. Yeah, it's the same in our, in our day to day, right? You know you're successful because of the externals. So he seemed to be going great until he learned that Esau caught word that he was coming back home. And Esau just rolled out the welcome wagon with like 400 other men. Jacob's getting nervous, starting to get a little bit afraid now. Suddenly, the ghosts of his past are coming back to haunt him. And it's here that we pick up our story, and it says that Jacob was left alone. He was burdened with a guilty conscience, and I dare say that Jacob wanted a new beginning. Well, how did he get it? How did he get a new beginning? Well, this leads us to the second moment. We're pulling out of Jacob's life story. First, Jacob was left alone. But let's continue. The second moment here is that Jacob wrestled with God. Let's continue reading. Genesis 32, here, verse 24. 
Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When he saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched the socket of his thigh. So the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day is breaking. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? What is your name? And he said, Jacob. He said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him and said, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob named the place Peniel. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been preserved. Now the sun rose upon him just as he crossed over Penuel, and he was limping on his thigh. What happened when Jacob was alone? He started to commune with God. That's what happened. You see, Jacob in his heart of hearts, he wasn't an evil guy. Sure, he had a bad upbringing, was raised in a dysfunctional home, and he learned all the wrong life skills. But Jacob really, Jacob really wanted to follow God. You know how I know that? Because Jacob didn't want to run from God anymore. Some of you in here today have been running from God. You can't really tell by looking on the outside. But you know, you've been running and I think if there's anything we learn in this story here is that it's time to stop running. You know, it's interesting that whenever Jacob got alone and communed with God, things started to happen. The first time we read about Jacob getting alone with God was when he dreamt that dream, remember, of the ladder that was coming out of heaven and reached down to him in his pit of despair. He then communed with God. Now it seems as if Jacob is yet in another pit. And this time Jacob communes with God as well. As he was praying, a man came, we learned, and wrestled with him. You know, perhaps Jacob thought maybe it was his brother that snuck into the camp and, and, and you know, was out to get him. Clearly, Jacob wasn't really clued in to who this was. But we know who it was, don't we? We know who it was. Because somewhere along the line, God decided to reveal his identity by way of supernatural power, touched him in the sinew of his hip. Now, it's interesting. I got kind of curious about this, this sinew. You know, obviously, it's a part of our anatomy, the hip. But could there be something else going on there? So I did a little investigation, and in Isaiah chapter 48 and verse 4, we learned that the sinew was understood also to be a figure of speech for rebellion. Rebellion. I think that that is probably an accurate description for the state that Jacob found himself, and so God touched him there, perhaps to, to just remind him of that. So Jacob thought he was wrestling with an enemy, and how many of us are like Jacob? Yeah, we think at the hand of the enemy, and in the darkness we wrestle blindly until our strength is spent and we find no comfort in deliverance. 
It wasn't until Jacob was injured, until he was afflicted, that he realized who this was. It was El Shaddai. That's who it was. It was through this whole ordeal that Jacob came to realize, and this is the lesson that we all must eventually come to. Jacob had to realize that in his own strength, he could do nothing. When you wrestle with God, when you get alone, you end up wrestling with God. The way that you prevail is not in your own strength. It's by giving up. This is the paradox. This is the thing that's so hard to grasp, is that you actually advance in the spiritual life when you retreat, when you surrender. And Jacob finally realized all of his deceiving and cheating and stealing it had caught up to him. And he finally realized that he had to give up. He had to relinquish his strength and he had to surrender. But a time came when Jacob finally met someone that was stronger than he. And it was only then that Jacob got that new beginning that he so desperately wanted. God forgave him. God restored him by his grace. But we also see in the text that this new beginning that Jacob just received, that he also got a new name. He was no longer Jacob the deceiver, but Israel, overcomer. Because he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. A new beginning led to a new name and to a new day. You'll see here in the text in verse 31, Now the sun rose upon him just as he crossed over Peniel, and he was limping on his thigh. And I'm just going to be real with you right now. I don't know any Christians that I've ever met my entire life who is not limping in some way. Okay? <laughs> we all have that, but you know what? It's okay. It's okay because we've been given a new beginning in Christ Jesus. Sometimes to have a new day, you've got to have a bad night. What is it the psalmist says? Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the when? In the morning. After a long night of weeping and wrestling with God, God gave Jacob a new beginning, which led to a new name, a new day, and now the final moment, a new perspective. Jacob saw the face of God in his enemy, who, by the way, was Esau. In chapter 33 now, verse 10, you read that Jacob finally came face to face with his brother Esau, a man whom he had hurt beyond measure, a man whose blessing he had stolen, a familiar relationship he had single-handedly destroyed. Yet Jacob was a man who received a new beginning and now a new perspective. Communion with God leads to reunion with the people around you. When you get right with God, you begin to see the world differently. You begin to get, gain a, a new perspective on life and on people. You no longer talk about people behind their back because you no longer see them as obstacles in the way of your advancement or stepping stones on which you may climb to a higher place. A new beginning from God leads to a new perspective. I very much appreciate stories that come out of World War II. In fact, I think that there's an incredible parallel between the people who lived during the Second World War 
and the times in which we live today. I came across a story some time ago about an American soldier who was stationed in Japan during the war. He diligently wrote his wife every single week. That is, until he met and fell in love with his hired servant, a uh, young woman many years his junior. It was then that the letters stopped coming. Until one day, a different kind of letter arrived. He came clean and said, this is what's been happening in my life. And he then proceeded to say that when the war is all over, I'm not coming home. As you can imagine, this absolutely crushed her. She didn't say anything to her kids until several weeks later, one of her children asked her what was going on. You know, you can't really hide stuff from your kids. They know. They sense it. And so she told him, she told him what was going on. But then her son responded by asking this. If daddy doesn't love us anymore, does that mean that we should stop loving him? Wow. She probably wrestled with that one, don't you think? She said no. Her son asked mommy to send a letter and say that we want to continue writing because they still love daddy. And so they did. Fast forward now, many years later, the wife got another letter, and this time her ex-husband said that he had cancer and promptly asked her for money to support his new family in Japan. The nerve of that guy. She said, I don't have any money. However, what I am willing to do is if you come to the United States, I will teach you English and I'll help you to become self-supporting. And that's what happened. He died and his new family came to live with her in the United States. She ends this uh, article by saying, I have two choices. Number one, I can either look back on my life and curse that man for all that he's done to hurt me with sheer anger. Or two, I can thank God for giving me the privilege for allowing me to shine his light in a dark tunnel in this world. You know, we might not ever have to face something quite like that. But do you know someone in your life that you need to get right with? Do you know that in your heart? Is that the new beginning that you are really longing for? Maybe your new beginning lies elsewhere. But whatever the case may be, won't you get alone with Jesus? We're following the lessons from the life of Jacob here about how to have a new beginning. Get alone with Jesus. Commune with him. Thomas Merton said it well when he wrote, Man is not at peace with his fellow man because he's not at peace with himself. And man is not at peace with himself because he's not at peace with God. Communing with God will inevitably lead. I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> as we follow the life of Jacob, as we, uh, as we uh, compare that with human experience, when you get alone with God, communing with God will inevitably lead to a kind of spiritual struggle at some point. 
in prayer. But you see, this is where the battle is fought. This is the main thing. It is maintaining that communion with Christ. Because the enemy of souls has a thousand and one ways tailor-made just for you to prevent that communion, to disrupt that communion, to get in the way of that communion with Christ. Everything flows from that communion with Christ. It is the main thing. Nevertheless, as we struggle in prayer, like Jacob, prevailing through our communion will lead to reunion with the people who need it most in our life. So my message to you is this, the beginning of a new year in 2024, with God and God alone, you can have a new beginning. You know, I couldn't think of a better way to embody the message of a new beginning than by partaking of the body and the blood of Christ in this communion service. So if you want a new beginning, then we invite you to come to the table. For all who are willing are welcome. Amen.